at the sound of the bells. You're listening to Oblivion. Class dismissed. (laughs) Class hasn't even started, man. All right, let's get out of here, man. Um, (laughs) And it is February 19th, 2024, which is Washington's birthday. As officially called our President's Day. Um, and, well, no news on the uh, holiday. Uh, uh, but um, no holiday for us. Uh, we got to bring you the news, folks. It's just, um, you know, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Or not many other places, at least. Um, you sent me this a uh, timely article um, about the death of Chuck Mahoney, uh deadliest sniper in U.S. Marine Corps history, dies at 75. Um, and I'll get to the, the topical uh, relationship um, because I was reading some uh, Gaza news at the same time I was reading this. Um, you know, and you you go down the article. I think it's 101 confirmed kills. Uh, what what a hero! And uh, let's see what's his uh, comment. Uh, it was the ultimate hunting trip. A man hunting another man who was hunting me. Mahini, an experienced hunter, told the Los Angeles Times in 2000 interview. Don't talk to me about hunting lions or elephants. They don't fight back with rifles and scopes. I just loved it. Um. You know, Does so. that not say it all? They <laughs> literally do love it. Yeah. I mean, not only do and, they think, are they not quivering thinking, God, I, I could get killed. Right. I don't want to go kill someone of all the things I could be doing with my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, why am I on this plane flying halfway around the world over something that I don't even really know about or care about? And in the 1970s, that was kind of the representation not only of war but of the human being that it didn't just automatically go yeehaw this is going to be great this is i'm looking forward to this yeah but since the 70s if you go into the reagan revolution and you look at the persian gulf war and then certainly the unmitigated glee with which the whole nation was just in such a war frenzy after 9-11. It's, uh, and then you read the quote from the grand sniper, the, the uh, hitman deluxe. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, the, the, one of the mis- uh, things that's kind of, yeah, I think a uh, suspect, and then we'll get into Gaza, um, of the snipers of Gaza uh, in a second, but um, uh, his claim that uh, there were people that uh, were fighting back with rifles and scopes, uh, I, 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 th- I think this is uh, highly unlikely. Um, uh, well, I think what he means by that is that he's talking about this other sniper who introduced... Um, What's what's the fellow's name against Mulhaney? Yeah, his name. Mm-hmm. Mulhaney. Mulhaney. Mulhaney introduced him to uh, society when uh, the the other sniper wrote a book and mm-hmm. then included oh, uh, 
Mulhaney in it. And right. the two of them apparently had a game, but I mean, it still reinforces the point. I mean, if you loved the idea that this other sniper was out there, hmm. I mean, they, I'm going to guess that they weren't well, trying to kill each other. They were using like pellets or something. Well, well I mean, what I'm, I'm getting at is when his experience in the Vietnam War, when he was sniping people and he killed all these 100 some odd people. And right. it says in the article it may have been in the 200s, but those were the, con- quote, confirmed uh, kills. Uh, were there on the, quote, other side, uh, were these like other snipers that were going to hunt in him? Were they other uh, uh, or other, quote, soldiers, you know, uh, that uh, might harm him? Well, I, I would guess that... Uh, all, if not nearly all, of these people were just like villagers and shit. That, you know, I, I'm not sure the level of, um, we'll get into the Gaza snipers, but, the, you know, the, quite the just level how of much depravity. Of a yeah, I mean, so a lot of bragging. right. So let's get to, to the Gaza. Like, at the same time, I was reading a report of a doctor who was working at a Gaza hospital and, uh, uh, he was describing some of the patients that they were coming in, and there was like this one day he said that the, a group of uh, children were brought in uh, that had been sniped. And these were uh, by snipers that uh, the the main group of IDF had already been there and withdrawn, but the snipers just like hang out and because it's like a a sport it's like a video game to them to like just kill children and uh, i mean this is stay sharp yeah and i've been hearing reports you can just you can go online and see probably a hundred videos of uh people like um well similar to the uh hostages that were killed with the white flags uh you know that's apparently a thing that'll get you shot for sure if you white flag you know then like oh yeah let's really kill them you know (laughs) i mean this is this is the basic typical behavior of these snipers right so it's white hair equals crosshairs yeah and of course in gaza it's 99 percent if not 100 percent uh depending on how you look at it civilians so these snipers what are they doing you know they're uh uh they're never getting in a situation where there's any other like quote hamas uh actual fighting going on they're always safe somewhere shooting at people in a hospital oh yeah that was another one that you heard about a lot with the uh, Shifa hospital was that they were just shooting through windows and killing, shooting and killing people inside just because if they were <laughs> within the I mean, range what of What kind it. of people yeah. keep attacking hospitals? Yeah. Just because. Crazed Nazis is, what, is the exactly. type of people. Yeah. Because they have this rationale, they have this uh, mm. technicality, this, this rule, right? The, the, the rule obsessed person is, is always the, the most depraved and and crazed nazi of of the bunch mm-hmm. and so well there's a rule and the rule says that if the enemy is using a hospital as a shield we're allowed to attack it so it, it totally nullifies um i mean the, the the whole absurdity of rules of war 
right? Something that is fundamentally at its core, this wrong and horrible thing to do, but we'll do it according to certain rules. And so that means that we can not only be not bad, we can be good. We can not only be good, but we can be heroes uh, like this uh, sniper. But th- it's just incredible, this just relentless slaughter of humans and the most vulnerable humans, women and children and people in hospitals. And it's not being talked about. It's not on people's minds. It is in the news, and it's kind of to the point that um, all of the criticism that I think you and I both have of the American media, there is only so much that the media can, can do. It, it has been reported. It was even reported on the local news, not the national news. I mean, they mm-hmm. picked it out to talk about uh, on it uh, last night, but uh, there's just no... It doesn't gain, you can just see it doesn't gain any traction in the American mind because it doesn't have anything to do with the price of gas. Right. It may may be on the subject of the snipers, um, sadistic snipers, it made me think of the Eddie Gallagher case. I don't know if you remember that, but it was the Navy SEAL. Um, We may have talked about it on the podcast uh, uh, because I think we were doing the podcast at that time. Uh, so this was in late 2019 uh, that this um, it Navy, would have been Navy before SEAL the podcast. Uh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. 2020 is when it started. Uh, so yeah, he uh, was pardoned by Trump. He had he had been convicted for you know basically murdering some children or something in Afghanistan or or Iraq. I can't remember which one and. Um, Trump pardoned him, and he and he was a classic, um, you know, psychopath type. That <laughs> I just like these IDF types. Is um, you know, you, uh, time to time to go kill for sport. You know, um, kill for sport. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, um, and, and it uh, is a sport. Yeah, um, and of course the the now the. Now that they pretty much, uh, their targets are m- much more limited in the north of Gaza. The IDF is attacking Rafah, especially. Uh, there's, they've been warned that there's, well, I mean, I, I'm sure there will be a ground invasion of the south, especially Rafah. Um, so, you know, this was, as we have been feared and talked about, uh, the whole plan is just uh, genocide them totally and run everybody out of the fucking Gaza Strip and then take it over. And that's what's going to fucking happen, man. Because there's not, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Dementia Joe... It's Dementia Joe is not doing anything to stop it. Um, so it's going to just keep going that way. Yeah, and uh, I think that is, is the best point for saying that he's he's unfit to lead. And I do still think that when the the next in, incredibly uh, bad gaffe happens, uh-huh. and uh, and Biden's cognitive uh, incompetence is once again in an issue that we absolutely have to run with the twenty fifth dementment. <laughs> 
for an episode uh, <laughs> titled. We've uh, got to keep that one on, uh, on reserve. Yeah. Uh, let me return for just a moment to the point about the, the sniper. And let's just say this, like, even if these snipers really do face uh, danger, and there are people that are trying to kill them, because mm-hmm. I would imagine that part of military strategy is that you know the snipers are out there, and you, so you've got snipers that are looking mm-hmm. for snipers. Well, the, the, the classic scene was there in the uh, Saving Private Ryan where the— exactly. I was going to talk about Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, the That's sniper really the sniper shows up uh, is, is the sniper for our side, our, right. for our boys. Uh, you know, he, he targets a sniper up in a bell tower, right? Right. And uh, right. yeah, that's, he, that's on the D Day. And he's like a su- the super Christian. That's uh, exactly. He kisses the his, uh, his cross. necklace, and he's a lefty, and he's he's automatic and never misses. And mm-hmm. God's on our side, and we're good. But we're also the best shots because we're gunslingers out west. Just all this crazy uh, double speak. Like we're the good guys, and we enjoy killing people. Somebody that enjoys killing people is good. So what's a bad person? Someone who doesn't enjoy killing people. But come on, Tom. Tom. Tom Hanks. um, His hands were shaking after all that. Uh, He had some PTSD, right? Talking about a hero. I mean, (laughs) to be have to do Forrest Gump. Who else has had to fight the Vietnam? Wait, that was you have to fight Vietnam, and then you have to go back and fight. Uh, you have to do D-Day. <laughs> now that's a that's a hero. I want to know how many people did that. But the, yeah. the thing is, is that so they really aren't facing that many danger, and most of the, these people that that they kill are are not generals and assassins. They are villagers, innocent people. And you're really killing them just to scare the shit out of everybody. And you're you're picking someone that that may be a spy or might be uh, pretending to be a villager or I mean, they are a villager, but they're also helping with the the military and and the cause. I'm sure a lot of it's the same kind of rationale that the IDF uses. Who exactly is a terrorist? I mean, it's you can say that it's not always black and white and that this person isn't actually going out committing terrorism, killing people, but their cousins are terrorists and they know a lot of them and they are kind of helping them. Like they get them supplies and they get them food, but they're not actually going to kill any of the IDF, but we'll just say that you're a terrorist. So you're a villager and you sell fish and some of the enemy soldiers eat your fish. So if we kill you, then we cut off the food, you know, just anything we can do to kill, kill, kill a lot. Mainly it's just, to, I think, to terrify and torment and uh, traumatize and scare the shit out of people, which mm-hmm. is what, what's happened to uh, the people in, in Gaza. And it, it would be happening to everybody in the world because it really is happening in the world. It isn't like I've said before, we don't live in this two-dimensional space where everything is a little box, like in this box is Gaza, and this box is Iceland, and this box is Korea, and this box over here is Australia, and this box over here is Margot Robbie, right? It's all one world, and it's all happening all in the same place. But the world, uh, not just America, 
but the you know world is so uh, cold about it. But actually, I'll say this: I think America is uh, more cold about it because I did read, uh, and this I think is the important thing that comes to mind, which is that um, other than the United States, the whole rest of the world has an unfavorable view of Israel. <laughs> There's only one country in the whole world that still has a favorable view of Israel, besides Israel, and that's the United States. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, even place. even even there, not, that's not the populace. The favorable is the uh, the you know the the ruling class is the thing that's unanimous. It's definitely not so for the uh, regular people. But, uh, oh, have I, you looked I'd, at any polls or information on that? Well, I, since the beginning, the polls have been very high for people wanting ceasefires and uh, all that. But I mean, compared to the the leaders, it's zero, right? Or uh, I guess you've got the one uh, uh, congresswoman <laughs> uh, conference. Maxine Walters. Yeah. Speaking of that, Bernie just uh, I just saw on on uh, on uh, no, not Maxine Waters, uh, uh, Talib. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, one of the squads. Yeah, I just saw bad girl. I just saw Bernie. Uh, uh, um, had an interview or the interviewer asked him three times if he th thought it was a genocide there and uh, uh, in Gaza and you know he he uh, sidestepped it all three times and he's like you know despite terminology you know 30,000 30, people have been killed 70,000 have been injured blah 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 60% of the structures have been blown <laughs> and it's like why can't you just say it man If it's so fucking terrible, why can't you just go for it? What's go what is it going to hurt you? To, like it, you're saying it's the worst possible things in the world, but then you're oh I can't use like the term describing what's going on. <laughs> you know, it's pathetic. Um, it is. It, it is pathetic. You know, I can't stand it, man. I don't want to. You know, he Bernie is still canceled. Remains canceled. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think it, it's just as uh, loathsome and even more disturbing that a person would love it that someone was trying to kill them than they want to go out and take pride in killing as many people as as they can. Right? Because think about it. You're not a person that that whose reaction, if bullets are flying and somebody's trying to kill you, that says, uh, "I don't want this." You know, why are we doing this? I think of the the long running television show uh, Mash, <clears throat> where uh, a regular uh, occurrence in the in the show is when the the doctors and and the nurses was to start screaming at the at the sky like why are you doing this you know stop it stop it that the bombs going off and the shooting and all of the wounded just keep uh coming in so what does it say about a person that that is excited and that loves it when the when the world is like that they're not terrified they're not upset they're not bewildered <laughs> They're titillated by it. On, on the point of, of polls. It's better than going duck hunting. There's a recent poll um, 
70% of Americans want talks to end Ukraine war, um, you know, and this seems perfectly credible because, I mean, who gives a fuck about Ukraine, right? I mean, this thing was totally thrown down our throats as something that we should, <laughs> you know. We're Joe like, Foreign Policy Biden. Yeah, you know, that was the, the Democrat big push with, you know, tepid pushback. So that they don't look like they're weak. Yeah, and... Uh, We're going to uh, out-Republican the Republicans. We're yeah. even... And the more war crazy than you are. Yeah, and the empire needs to expand NATO into Ukraine, and um, you know, it's 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 part of the um, um, plan. But you know, Americans are sick of it. I mean, they just like ObamaCon escalating Afghanistan. Yeah, right. And were people clamoring for that to happen? I don't think so. <laughs> you know. Well, now I have to. Uh, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I do want to remind you of something. And it gets back to, I think, an important discussion that we've been having. I mean, it, it's an argument in the sense that it's an inquiry, but it's not an argument in the sense that I think either one of us thinks the other person is wrong. But in the aftermath of 9-11, and this is really when it shows you what you're made of, and this is where I do have to call out the American people, and you see the same pattern fall in, and you can see it with the people in, U in Ukraine. Shortly after the attacks, it wa everybody was drooling and wanting to go to war. And that's the most important moment to have some enlightenment and awareness and vision and some wisdom. I mean, a smidgen, just a little bit as a human being, instead of not just a, a robot, but uh, people who despise and mock and look down on education. I'm not going to know anything about history. I'm not going to think. I don't want to listen to philosophy. I don't want all this heavy stuff put on me. I'm a mature, grown-up person. I've got a job. I pay the bills. That's what life is really about, get in the real world. And in the aftermath of 9-11, it was basically 90% of the country that was eager to go to war. Everyone, everyone was really, really into it. There was one person in the entire U.S. Congress that voted uh, against it, the woman from California, uh, Maxine Walters, or no, uh, not B Maxine Walters, uh, Barbara Lee of California, House of Representatives, one person out of 535. And it wasn't just the government. It was the population. I mean, everybody was. But it's, it's understandable and to the extent that, um, I mean, there, there was the shocking um, attack, you know, uh, sure. and, and people Shock is understandable. I mean, yeah. But. And I re even remember at the time you, uh, uh, right after the, th the attacks, you were even saying that, that we should get back at whoever, um, sure. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and, I, and, you're the, right. the, and so there was that initial shock thing, which is understandable for the general publish, uh, uh, general populace to i lost my own moral compass which is well uh, and, and it didn't take long for you to regain it right from the shock of the situation but if, if you if you have the uh you know the of uh, the all the media the corporate media linked in with uh 
the the rulers um, just do, hitting the war drum from the beginning. The military, of course, uh, you know, being the war drum, the national security state uh, taking advantage of that shock. Right. And, you know, they really got the war fever going. So. Right. Which is which is one way to look at it, but not the only way to look at it. And I have to emphasize that because the other way to look at it is that because the public was in such a drooling, whipped up war frenzy. That was what spurred the media on to feed it. Right. You have both dynamics in play. There's there are arrows going both directions. Yeah, but uh, I really think that the one arrow is a, a much bigger arrow than the other one. Uh, I would think but definitely. Why? Well, because it's where all the money is, where all the power is, where the the messaging is, is coming it, from. I'm, I'm uh, as well, far as there being a, the, a message is, is from the general the populace. From the or general is po- the power with the people. No, got- no. How can you th- even say that, David? I mean, wh- uh, where is the voting that w- happened on? Where was the? You know, where did they actually like? Oh, we'll we'll, we'll definitely do this um, global war on terror thing because the populace is telling us to to do it that way. No, I I think it's quite the opposite. I mean, they uh, these people have been planning. We're ready to go on this quote war on terrorism action well before I agree that time and the, and the PNAC people for instance had been planning the people behind like Rumsfeld and uh, Abrams etc had had these plans long before it wasn't like the populace was <laughs> you know it was a well laid plan that they had set up beforehand took advantage of the 9-11 thing and then drummed up support with the populace it was uh, their side of the equation was <laughs> uh, but, what, but I, I just what, like to pause for the a second and make you realize that you sort of casually threw out a sentence there drummed up support from the populace and so the way the dynamic is the way that you're describing it is the the populace was um, tabula rasa they they were blank slate neutral the attacks happen and the, the people are just sort of sitting there with a, no emotions, no reflections, no, just a blank stare. And then the screen comes on and it says, look at what happened. We're going to go to war, get behind us, or you're not patriotic, get your yellow ribbon. Um, and I, I think that's a completely artificial way of looking at the, um, at the way human beings are. I mean, they're not tabula rasa there's a cognitive and there's a a social i mean every american on the morning of september 11th had a reaction to what was happening in real time and they the the first influence that that they had really was not the media it was their peers and their families right and one reason that i'm 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 confident in the point that i'm presenting here is that in the aftermath of 9-11 yes by far and away almost every single american was uh, super jacked up to go to war is i had friends in the restaurant business uh in louisville when that when that w- happened when september 11th happened uh i had uh, only been away from louisville for uh, a year 
So I was still in touch with, with people. And all of these people said that when they went to work, when they were at work on uh, uh, this was a, there was a country club and there were other restaurants and bars, all the talk was Bama everywhere, everybody. And it was like that. The time that I spent in New York City, the most time that I ever spent in New York was uh, from 2001 to 2004 because I was close. I was driving there a lot. Hmm. Everybody was into it big time. Yeah. So it's just something that people need to quit deflecting and saying, I mean, it's a warmongering country. It's a sicko pathological culture. Mm-hmm. And you put it best. I mean, you didn't make it as a statement, but you asked it as a very compelling question. I mean, Americans are evil. It's a mean-spirited, twisted culture. It's selfish and greedy. We have these mass shootings. And there just isn't any kind of uh, pervasive sentiment of uh, wanting to be peaceful and and wanting to get away from this constant cycle of warmongering. And, and so I think what it is, is it's an apathetic chicken shit attitude of I'll get whipped up into the war frenzy. And then when the scant people with wisdom and knowledge say this is forlorn, What's going to happen is this isn't going to go anywhere. People like Chris Hedges, I'll either just sort of drift away and start thinking about something else like the price of gas or racism and misogyny and diversity and inclusion. Um, Or I'll just say, oh, I've been against this all along. Yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. And this is phony and, and vapid, right? Just like I was being phony and, and vapid. And that's what happens when you start to think of yourself as somebody that's going to have a career and is becoming a company man. And that's the thing that I'm that has to be uh, pointed out that to, to bring it to the current day is, I mean, you're more in touch with like with the social media and uh, X and so forth, what people are actually saying in their reaction to what's going on in, in Gaza. And so what's interesting is... Well, with a, with a strong left-leaning, uh, the people I follow are left-leaning. You that's know, exactly I what I was going to point out. I mean, right. you have to keep in mind that if you go about looking for any kind of uh, reactions that are sympathetic toward your perspective then you're going to find that. And that doesn't discount the existence of these perspectives. But I also think that it's good to be open to the uh, feedback that you're getting from someone like myself, where my approach is I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to try to look for any single perspective. I'm going to let all of this just come to me. And in not, uh, trying to to provoke or to prod or to say I'm going to look for this, like I'm saying, well I think what's going on in Gaza is wrong. Well I'm not alone. 
type in, okay, there are other people who are saying, saying the same thing. And so if I hear somebody say, everybody loves the war, nobody gives a shit, uh, I can say, no, it's not true. There's, a, But what, what I do instead is I just want to know, I just want to listen. And what do people talk about? What do people post? What do I see on the news? When it comes to what people talk about and what people post, other than you, and it's one of the big important reasons I do the podcast, other than you, absolutely no one ever talks about Gaza. Ever. Ever. Just not on their mind. Hmm. And as far as the media goes, while it is reported, I think that it is sickeningly underreported for how awful it really is. It is a slaughter. It's the worst thing that's ever happened in our lifetime and probably in multiple gener generations. And it's amazing that it just goes on and on and on. And 25th Amendment, if anybody should be pulled out of the White House, it should be someone who says that he doesn't think that this should be happening and then bypasses Congress to give Israel money so that they can keep doing this. Like he either just doesn't know what's going on or he's so disconnected from, from himself that he doesn't realize what he's doing or he's always been just such a liar and, and garbage just spilling out both sides of his mouth that he just says this stuff like, Oh, they need to have an executable plan, a credible plan that protects the civilian deaths. Like, and they just keep killing civilians. Well, we think that we need to do this, and we don't want them to do this. And then we're, uh, we're going to uh, bypass Congress and give them the money. By the way, uh, Blinken, who we were, uh, I was uh, talking about at some length, going into his background uh, a few months ago, and he was in the news a lot. He's basically been. Um, sidelined and and uh, all but disappeared. You're not seeing uh, Blinken in the in the news uh, at all. Hmm. Really, the last couple of weeks. Why do you think that uh, is? Uh, my guess is is that everybody knows that this is yet just another uh, carnage and a waste, uh, just like uh, Ukraine is, and um, that the messaging isn't isn't working right having blinken up there is only further hurting biden's cause right and and to to give people not such a a, a negative view of people um you know I don't, maybe I that's don't, evidence I, of your point yeah and right and and uh uh yeah, I, I definitely agree that plenty of people are just simply apathetic and not interested. And I think that's a lot of what the 70 percent of Americans want talks to end Ukraine war. I mean, what's the um, connection? You know, they've had a really hard time connecting our need to be like this, <laughs> uh, the support for this war uh, halfway around the world. Right. Uh you know, it's hard to drum up the feelings of World War II, which is it's kind of uh, this is a long term extension, 80 or whatever years later <laughs> um, of World War II. Right. It's that's right. it's the old even Biden used that term early on in one of his semi gaffes 
referring to the Eastern Front being Ukraine, right? Uh, right. You know, um, and, and people just have no connection to that um, anymore. And, um, and, and, well, I'm not- and to, cer- to a certain extent, I wouldn't blame anybody not wanting to have a connection to it because either it's just nothing to do with you or it's, uh, you see it as just a, um, a, a, a carnage uh, that um, you know, war is never the answer, and uh, this will not solve <laughs> violence. Will not solve problems. Um, that's one of our main um, uh, efforts. Yes, that's uh, one of our main tenets. Yeah, tenets. Um, and um, people people do violence because they love it, like the sniper. Yeah, there there are some people. Um, I think for. But but again, it's like I think that um, to give people their due, as far as Gaza, I mean, sure it, it trickles through, but I mean, every time that it's shown, it's hard to not show a huge area that's been laid waste, uh, killed kids because that's all that's being killed, uh, hospitals being attacked. Um, you know, people do have empathy for the most part, and and it doesn't rub them right, you know. Uh, Somewhere deep down, you're like, you know, something, something ain't right here. And being told how wonderful it is day after day by Blinken, Biden, uh, everybody else in the in the halls of power um, just isn't working. Just like Ukraine is a great thing that we need to be behind. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, sure, 9-11, uh, that can spur on a, a frenzy, but. Uh, these others, you know, when you're seeing a bunch of kids killed, it's like, oh boy, I can't wait for them to kill another uh, 5,000 kids uh, this month. Uh, <laughs> well, be- sure, but then there's then there's Sandy Hook, which happened um, over 11 years ago, and the the gun problem has only gotten worse. And again, I think I think what's uh, well, but David, you know, that's just the violent black people. I mean. Come on. Right. Uh, um, it's just a, I think um, what the best thing to, in terms of coming to a, a better understanding of, of the issues is I think that our our methods and approaches need to overlap. Um, and again, what I'm suggesting is don't only look at uh, polls or information sources that are likely to confirm your sense that you are not the only person who thinks Gaza is bad and that violence is bad, which, you know, is, and I think you know this, is not what I'm saying. I'm saying an attribute of the whole is not an attribute of the part. I'm not singling out every single 330 million uh, Americans one at a time and saying you're a drooling, bloodthirsty <laughs> psychopath. I am saying that that's what the nation is, and it is what the people are. That the, this country is very poorly organized and connected, and Americans don't see themselves as uh, people who behave collectively they don't acknowledge that that is something that happens 
this is a point. Yeah, and, yeah. and I and I think to that in an odd, um, uh, I don't know if it's ironic, but the the general um, culture uh, of Americans is the um, self-important. Uh, yes, uh, egomania, com- competitive. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, well, that that out. that type of personnel, that that general um, culture, and uh, um, um, causes um, um, uh, an odd um, conformity, right? Because it's like uh, um, a conformity against uh, the opposite of that, which would be. Um, uh, uh, communism. Let's say, to make, take the extreme example of a sure, society that, love. yeah, that's based the based on maximal um, um, community uh, social support, uh, sharing, cooperation. Um, right. Uh, those values. So while perhaps every single individual isn't bloodthirsty psychopath, uh, sniper, hard on let's all hunt and kill each other. Um, they are more leaning in that direction than they are in the other direction. Yeah. And, and, and those, and those to, that don't have don't that face up to it. And those that don't, um, are more minded, like I'm, I'm, uh, describing, uh, you feel alienated because, you know, these bully types, uh, <laughs> the bully culture that's kind of the emblem is everywhere. Is everywhere. And so you're often led to feel like you're a weird, you're the weirdo for <laughs> sure. uh, being, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it causes uh, people like us to, to Look, not speak out as much to. Let's um, talk about Ukraine, right? Yeah, yeah. Other than, other than yourself. The, the few conversations that I've had about Ukraine, everyone that I've talked to uh, supports it, supports, uh, uh, believes that America should just give an open check to Ukraine and that the war should go on as long as it has to go on. And they absolutely believe that Ukraine will win because dun da dun dun da dun da dun bravery, heroes, America. And when you want to go back to the egomaniac, competitive, self-important type of person, those two dispositions are uh, consistent, right? The, the egomaniac doesn't think that they will ever lose or that they're ever wrong or that there are things that you can't do. Like you can't jump over a skyscraper. And if you say... There's no way Ukraine can beat Russia. It's just impossible. It's numerically, financially, economically, strategically. There's no way it's going to happen. And all you're doing is just letting people kill each other and having towns and cities destroyed. The, the worst thing of all, from an American political standpoint, is all the money going there and the way that they, the Democrats have allowed, not done anything to stop the cuts to the funding for Americans, the four million children that went back into poverty because COVID funding was allowed to expire. Meanwhile, billions go to Ukraine for a forlorn 
military campaign. Here's since we're on Ukraine, these are some observations that I, if you don't mind, uh, I I want to throw out there in terms of the World War II connections and. Uh, um, Besides the fact that we're far too late in history for that to really be a persuasive um, analogous uh, parallel to be making for, for people, so many of the references to World War II are um, simply uh, there's just too much uh, oversight and they're they're dumbed down in terms of the things that we might learn from World War II and apply to the certain to the current war between Russia and Ukraine. But one point that these are Democrats that are making this, right? We've got to keep giving all this money to Ukraine because if Ukraine falls, then uh, uh, Putin will go into Eastern Europe. Okay, so World War II, did Hitler invade one country at a time? Yes or no? No. In fact, if you know anything about World War II, that was Hitler's Achilles heel. Is he overextended himself? He was in he was all he was spread all over Europe. He invaded uh first it was uh Czechoslovakia, then it was Austria. They said, "Okay." Then he went into Poland. They said, "That's it. Now we're at war." Then he went into Denmark, he went into Norway, he went when the Belgium uh, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, he got uh, France and drove the government out of Paris. They had to go to, to Vichy and they could uh, uh, had they had their token French government in, in, in Vichy. And then he said, well, I've got all this going on. And while I'm uh, trying to conquer uh, Great Britain, fighting the Battle of Britain, now I'm going to go east and I'm going to conquer Russia. Right. And it was that decision to invade Russia that really uh, over over the long term, uh, that was really what uh, did uh, Hitler in. Oh, 100 percent. In addition to because when you look at the uh, when you look at the casualties and we talked about this a few months ago as well, uh, when you Americans like to think of themselves as the heroes that defended the, the world and won World War Two. But if you look at the casualties. In World War II, it's Russians way more than everybody else. By far, it's Russians who die way more than anyone else does in World War II. Way more than than Americans. Now, you have to give credit to the British and the RAF because the initial stemming of the tide happened with the Battle of Britain. Because the RAF's planes were faster and more mobile and agile. Than the German planes, mm-hmm. which were uh, uh, bigger and faster, but the uh, the British, I think, are a very intelligent culture, which is why you have to give them credit for the uh, uh, they're spurring on in many ways the Industrial Revolution, and uh, even though their empire was uh, an oppressive uh, colonial thing i mean the fact that they could put that together it actually did take some brains to be able to do that but the real genius of the of the british and the raf was in designing their fighter planes to be agile and mobile right 
they had that they had that uh, insight as to, as to that they we make these planes that they can maneuver well. That's what will give us the advantage, and the Germans didn't think of that. Um, but one reason that I'm going into all of this is I'm trying to make the listener understand that now you're hearing someone who actually knows something about World War II. The biggest lesson to learn from World War II is war is bad. You don't want it. That was the lesson. And so all of these assholes that keep talking about it in World War II, it's like, yes, and you ignore the biggest, most important lesson of all, which is that war is bad and it never leads to anywhere but complete death and destruction. And if you want to have a future, if you want to have a civilization and a functioning society, you can't be at war. It drains your resources. It kills millions. It, it ruins uh, future relationships. And it destroys your infrastructure. It destroys your economy. You've got, you've got Biden bragging about all the money they're making in uh, Seal Country, Pennsylvania to supply Ukraine and win, 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 American know-how. And we're making those great prosthetic limbs with that Western technology that you can get outfitted with after you get your arm or leg blown off. And to go back to the point I was making about Americans and their attitude about war, that they were gung-ho about war in the aftermath of 9-11, and that's all that really matters. Because once you buy in, once you say, let's go to war, then it's too late. So the fact that you've been at war for 20 years and you killed all these people, you say now, oh, well, maybe this wasn't a good idea doesn't matter right that's the value of being educated is that you'll you'll already know what is a bad idea when it will actually matter instead of figuring out it's a bad idea once it doesn't matter but since you're an egomaniac you don't think that figuring it out is significant so that you won't do the the bad dumb destructive thing in the first place you think it's good to figure it out so that you can get an a you can get a gold star. You can get a blue ribbon and say, look how smart I am. I figured something out. Right. That's how Americans think and think. After Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukrainians were all gung ho. They were signing up. They were enlisting. And then they figured out what reality was. Right. That it wasn't what Americans think that war is, that we're going to win and we're brave and heroic and we'll beat the Russians back. It's just, it's foolish, right? It's violent. It's horrible. It's miserable. People are getting killed and they're losing their arms and legs. And then what happens a year later, then they start to think this isn't so great. And then they don't want to enlist. And that's why people were bribing the, uh, the draft board. Remember when this was happening and so that they wouldn't get drafted. And then uh, Zelensky had to fire the head of the, the draft board for corruption. And he's been having to be changing uh, leadership. And this is something that hasn't been talked about because people don't like it. Right. But it's too late. Right. Because you don't believe in education. I mean, I can't really say that about Ukraine's. I can't project the American attitude onto Ukraine. But Ukraine has really embraced Americanism, so I'll just go ahead and, and run with it. But it's that you 
because you're you loathe education and you're so uncomfortable not conforming and thinking for yourself and wanting to be have a little bit of, of wisdom, you have to when the moment counts, right? This is all about Kairos, it's all about timing. When the moment counts, you dive in. You dive into something that is violent, miserable, and foolish and immoral if you believe in morality as a legitimate uh, idea that helps us understand things. Yeah. But this this happens and you don't want to acknowledge what war actually is and what's really happening that it's not heroism and bravery but it's destructive and evil and incredibly wasteful yeah which is a good transition to uh, speaking about uh, real and fake heroes or in this case real and fake uh, dissidents um alexei navalny uh the um western style quote dissident uh died in prison a few days ago and um, you know he's being lauded as as this this great thing. I'm reading a headline. I'm not, I can't get into the actual meat of it, and and it would be sickening and terrible anyway. But the New York Times uh, headline um, is "Inside Alexei Navalny's Final Months" in his own words, and then the sub headline is "Donald Trump, Indian Food." Uh, Matthew Perry and books, 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 excerpts of letters show Mr. Navalny's active mind even amid brutal prison conditions. Now, um, I mean, the fact is, is that Navalny was uh, is, was no like, um, uh, I don't know, um, human rights hero, uh, any of that sort of thing. He's no uh, Ralph Nader. Basically just a, a propped up. Uh, dissident who I mean sure it's terrible that he was put in prison um, and and it's hilarious uh, to see that uh, even amid brutal prison conditions I mean any condi- uh, prison in the U.S. is a brutal place to be uh, and that <laughs> to to kind of to your point of, of the, the horror evil horrors of the U.S. culture I mean we have <laughs> millions of people in, in prison uh, the conditions are terrible. Large portions of people every day are kept in solitary confinement, confinement for uh, extended periods uh, for no good reason other than to, just to be sadistic and, and punished. Uh, you know, there's no health care in prison. There's no, um, you know, go, uh, there's lots of violence. Uh, the most rapes in the country are not um, um, people don't realize this, that more men are raped in the United States than women. And why is that? Prison. Uh, 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 one of those uh, uh, things that... Uh, and the Catholic Church. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and, and in contrast, uh, it's happening this week. There's the uh, probably going to be the final hearing for Julian Assange, an actual dissident, uh, uh, who uh, has been... Uh, in harsh prison conditions for uh, how many years is it now? Like five years. Uh, and of course, he was holed up in, in uh, uh, prison light uh, in the embassy, Ecuadorian embassy uh, for many years before that. Um, but uh, they're going to have a hearing whether or not to extradite him to the U.S. this week, uh, I think starting tomorrow. 
and uh, I, I I predict that he's going to be sent to the U.S. and he'll spend the rest of his life in a dungeon. You know, uh, I'm hoping that's not the case, but uh, just the way he's been treated as some kind of uh, hyper terrorist uh, for the last five years uh, doesn't bode well for how he's going to uh, be treated. Uh, well, whether or not he's going to be extradited, and of course, when he gets here, that's when he really gets the pounding, you know, right? Uh, to, right. Uh, you know, because the, whole, uh, the Espionage Act is basically you're unable to defend yourself because the you can't bring anything up um, uh, that's that's um, secret. So it's like this catch twenty two, right? You can't you can't show any evidence of of, of things because they they just say that they're not there. Uh, and you also don't. There's other aspects of the of this law that's uh, speaking of of outdated. Came started from World War One, for Christ's sake. Um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about a contrast because there you have. I mean, what the fuck has Alexei Navalny done as far as uh, humanity? I've, and, uh, he's write some good letters that are being critical of Trump, maybe. Or, you know, that's that's the hero there. But Assange, uh, you know, released, uh, you know, the the uh, collateral. The WikiLeaks. Yeah. The, well, the WikiLeaks, and of course, and, and broad ranging. But the thing that really pissed him off was the um, uh, of the collateral murder uh, video. I don't know if you've ever seen that but it's uh basically it was in iraq and it was this helicopter gunship and they see this group of men out and uh uh when i'm carrying a camera case uh they're reporters with reuters and uh you know they spend a minute or so getting confirmation where to open fire on these people they finally do and they shoot them with 50 caliber machine guns kill them all uh and then actually uh, do a double tap on a car that's trying to to help. Uh, it comes and they shoot it up and, and full of kids. And, you know, there's this video that uh, was uh, leaked uh, by uh, Chelsea Manning uh, and um, along with many other uh, related um, war crimes, uh, um, revealing war crimes, and of course, the result is that they have put him in prison, and most likely will keep him in prison for the rest of his life, um, and kill him in short order. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't killed him already through poor prison conditions. Apparently, his health isn't very good, but uh, yeah, that's the state of affairs there. The, uh, uh, you know, the the real the real. Uh, yeah, if they could figure out a way to put Ralph Nader in prison, they would. But uh, um, um, or anyway. or Chris Hedges or yeah, and you know, there's there's always time. You know, <laughs> they're they're still alive. They're, maybe we could figure out a way. I'm I'm, cer- I'm certain plenty of these national security types uh, think that way. Um, um, but. Um, you know, Ralph Nader was the one that uh, gave us Bush, but you know it's odd because Bush was then against Trump. Now, now he's not like this terrible thing anymore. So I don't know what to think, David. <laughs> who who right, I mean, who talk, should we look talk. up to be our heroes, David? 
Well, the Supreme Court is what is what gave us Bush. Right, right. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, mean, I, I know. I know what you mean. As yeah. To the, uh, and and the, again, that kind of gets back to uh, yeah. It's it's bl- the blame the third party. Yeah, right. That's the kind of thing. Uh, you know, anybody right. that tries to do third party is like you're a Ralph Nader. You're going to spoil it. Right, and it it uh, it's that's a relevant point in terms of how we think about the upcoming presidential election this year, that if there is a third party candidate, do we look at that as somebody that is necessarily uh, a a spoiler or can you say, no, if if ever that we needed a third party candidate, it is certainly in in this election. And the, the cynicism and general vilification of third party candidates, certainly someone like Nader in the year 2000, I think that really supports my position on the American people in terms of their egomania and conformity and really their their unwillingness to, if they actually don't like the status quo and if they don't like the cycle of war and violence that the country's always in, they have to do something different. And third party Voting is a way to do that. But again, other than yourself, anyone I ever talk to about politics will always blow that off as, ah, you're not going to, can't do that. It's like you've got these two choices, lesser of two evils. And really, liberals have had nothing to say but uh, talk about but Donald Trump for the last eight years now. And so their minds are, are pretty much. Uh, a block of cement at this point. I mean, nothing's going to get in. Gaza's not going to get in. This throwing money away in Ukraine isn't isn't going to get in. And this is kind of my uh, the the crux of of my point is how do you really trust or sympathize with a culture and with a population that uh, ignores, uh, turns its back on, dismisses every possible uh, option or uh, new possibility for uh, the direction the country is going to go in if if that's if that's your reaction and you're gonna you're gonna disregard it and dismiss it and blow it off then how is someone like myself not supposed to believe that you're uh, bloodthirsty and a crazed Nazi Vote genocide. <laughs> Vote genocide. Lesser of two evils. For my colleague and co-host, David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby, and you've been listening to The Oblivion Podcast.